Hi, you are now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. Today you will hear a sermon from Pastor Dave Lee, so without further ado, here he is. Morning, Harvest. Praise God for the amazing weather we had this past week. I hope uh, you had a chance to get out there and enjoy it. And we don't know how much longer this good weather is going to hold out, but let's thank God for it while we have it, because winter is coming. And so uh, let's really um, just make the most of each day that God gives. This morning, I'm going to start a new series, and this series is going to take us through the rest of this year and likely into next year, even as far as spring. It's a series put together by our friends over at the Bible Project, and it's called Church at Home. And it's, uh, rather than doing a deep dive into one book of the Bible at a time or one text at a time, it explores some of the big ideas and concepts of the Christian faith at a level that I think will be refreshing and very interesting to to you. And uh, I hope that this series will really help you grow in your faith and get a higher view, a bigger picture uh, of this faith that you embrace. Many of us have been moved uh, reading the children's book, The Giving Tree by Shel Silverstein. It's a reflection on giving and taking uh, in the story of a boy and an apple tree that have a relationship for their whole lives. The boy takes so much from the tree, and the tree freely and happily gives. In fact, the tree finds its happiness in giving to the boy. When he's young, the tree gives him shade from the sun, a place to swing and climb, to carve his initials, a place to get apples to eat, and then eventually even to sell. The tree provides him with branches with which he builds his first house as a young man. And then it offers him her trunk to build a boat so this older man can go and explore the world. And at the end of his life, when he is old and tired, he returns to the tree to find nothing left but a stump. And even then, when the tree apologizes for having nothing more to give, the old man says, I just would like a quiet place to sit and rest. It's a moving story of what it's like when two people relate in such a way that one consistently gives to the other. It's a story of unconditional love. And ultimately, it's really the story of us and God. We love trees because we get to receive, or maybe you could say we get to take, so much from trees. Trees appear throughout the Bible as an important imagery. And in fact, the Bible begins with two trees. When you look at Genesis 2.9, It says the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So the Bible begins with two trees in the middle of a garden full of trees. And each tree represented an important question about life. The tree of life asks the question, Do you want to live? See, the fruit of this tree, when you ate it, sustained physical life. It's a symbol of our dependence on God as the source of life itself. You know, a lot of people, uh, and I used to believe this myself, I, I think it's an easy assumption to make, that Adam and Eve were created immortal by default and that they were just going to exist and live forever until they sinned, and then 
death came as a punishment or a consequence of sin, as though death were the, the, the penalty for what they did. But in fact, when you look at it carefully, look at Genesis 3, verses 22 and on. He says that God, when they sinned, when they chose to eat from that forbidden tree, God blocked their access to the tree of life. In other words, they were not immortal by default, but access to the tree gave them a connection to God, the source of life, so that every day as they ate that fruit, they would continue to live. Life is not an assumption or entitlement. It is a gift that comes through connection, a vital connection to God. And it was God's design from the very beginning that man and woman would live by eating the fruit of the tree God gave. And when they made the wrong choice, when they sinned and rebelled against Him, God blocked their access to that tree so that they would not live forever. To be cut off from the fruit of this tree of life was to be cut off from the source of life itself. And God did this in part so that they would learn the consequence of rejecting God, but also because He did not want human beings to live forever in that fallen state. Oscar Wilde's novel, The Picture of Dorian Gray, some of you may be familiar with the story. I don't have the time to summarize the plot, but if you're familiar with it, the the main lesson of that story is that living forever is a curse if you are not alive in your heart. In other words, eternal existence and eternal life are not the same thing. That brings us to the second tree. So if the first tree, the tree of life, asks the question, do you want to live? The second tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, asks the question, how do you want to live? The fruit of this tree was forbidden while every other tree and all their fruit were fully available and accessible to Adam and Eve. And this tree represents a fundamental choice. Will I trust in and depend on God for His authority, His direction, His um, picture of reality, His definitions of what is good and what is bad, what is right and what is wrong? Will I trust Him and submit to Him? Or will I make that other choice to trust in my own authority, to make my own wisdom, my own right and wrong and good and bad? The path that is independent of God's external authority over us, it's always been very alluring, very seductive for us. As a a teenager, I, I first experienced that feeling of this place that I once found such security and comfort in, I began having thoughts that I'd like to eject myself. I would like to jettison out from under that safe place to find an authority and a life of my own, to be truly free. And I I believe that the rejection of that kind of external authority has always been an attractive possibility for the human heart. But in the end, that tree in particular represented a fundamental choice to shed God's authority and accept our own authority as the way that we would order our lives. And in the end, this choice led to death because it it symbolized a rejection of God as the source of life itself. You know, a lot of people see in this whole setup a petty God setting up a horrible trap for human beings. Why would He do it this way? Why would He even put that second tree in the garden? 
But I want you to consider how much we value choice, even in this fallen world. Choice is held up as one of the greatest sources of dignity and freedom and power. It's what gives us agency. In fact, one of the things that makes prison so horrible is it's a place where after having lived in the free world, so much choice is taken away from you. Who will you live with? Where will you sleep? When will you rise? When will you sleep? Can I go outside? No. And so these choices are removed, and that's one of the things that makes prison hell, is that you have no agency. Everything is dictated to you. That choice to choose God or to not choose God had to exist in order for our existence to be meaningful. In fact, I think we would resent a design where only one choice was possible. I mean, imagine going into an ice cream parlor and they say, what flavor would you like? And you look on the wall and all they have is vanilla. Why even ask the question? In order for the question, the possibilities of life to be meaningful at all, the option must exist to choose one thing or the other. Adam and Eve, as our representatives, were banished from the garden and it leaves the question because they chose to reject God's authority and trust their own. They could have lived forever in a paradise under God's rule and by His wisdom, but they said, we're going to take our chances on our own. And when they did that, they were banished from the garden and cut off from access to the tree of life. And the question then was hanging in the air, can we ever get back to the tree of life? The answer seemed to be no until Jesus enters the picture. When Jesus came into the world, human history had already been a long story of mankind's failure to reverse the consequence of that terrible choice on their own power. Human human beings tried so hard to build a better world, a better life for themselves and for society, but again and again and again, human history proved that we cannot save ourselves or create a utopia here on earth, no matter how hard we try. And the problem is not that the world itself is broken, but also that we are broken. That once we get so many of the things we long for, it changes and corrupts us. We're not capable of sustaining a perfect world on our own. And Jesus came and He lived the life that millions of human beings never could in spite of all their effort. And then He was nailed to a tree in the shape of a cross And when he rose from death, he opened a path back to the tree of life. That that path that was blocked at one point was reopened. And John 14, 6, this this whole picture of the tree of life and and this path back to life, it, it gives new meaning to the words Jesus spoke. When he said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That road that had been blocked by a flaming sword, and I'm sure that is symbolic, but that this idea of access to the tree of life being blocked is now reopened because of the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. In fact, Jesus offers us the same choice that God offered Adam and Eve. It's the choice to choose a path that leads to life, or a path that leads to death. 
It cost him his life to be able to offer us that choice. And it's a choice that gets played out billions of times every day around the world. Which will you choose? Will you choose a path that says, I depend on God for my very life itself? Will you choose a path that says, I have some wisdom and I have some authority, but in the end, I will submit to God. For if I do not, then I declare myself to be a God in his place. Jesus offers us the choice of the tree of life, the choice to remain rooted to God and find that by ingesting what he offers, his word, his presence, his power, his very personhood itself, it feeds us. This brings great meaning to what we do at the communion table. As Jesus invites us to eat of his flesh and drink of his blood, that meal represents the same thing Adam and Eve were doing when they took the fruit off the tree of life and ate it. It wasn't just a symbolic drawing of life from God, the way we feel the rays of the sun on a warm day. It was literally ingesting something physical so that those, those atoms would become part of the molecules of their body. In that same way as we eat the elements, it's like ingesting the fruit of the tree of life once again. Jesus also offers us the choice of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's a choice to live under God's authority rather than our own. To trust that the fullness of life we want really can only be had when we shed our own authority and submit to God's. When we stop insisting we know what is right and wrong and good and bad for the whole universe, and we accept that God who made it knows better than we. In Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 to 6, very familiar words to us. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to Him, and He will make your path straight. In this passage, wisdom is defined as choosing to trust and submit to God. Even though we have our own understanding, it is a choice to surrender and accept that God's understanding, His wisdom, His ways are better than ours. How interesting that a few verses later in Proverbs 3.18, this wisdom is called a tree of life to those who embrace her. And it leads to a truly happy life. I think it's poignant that the Bible ends pretty much the way it began with a tree. The tree of life figures very prominently in the last chapter of the Bible, but this time with some important differences. When you look at Revelation chapter 22, the first two verses of that, listen to these words. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal flowing from the throne of God, and of the Lamb. Through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. This time, the tree of life is huge. So huge, in fact, that it's big enough that its roots span the expanse of a river that runs through the middle of the city. I want you to picture a tree so large that it has roots on both banks of a river. And this time, 
it's not just one kind of fruit, but there's 12 different kinds of fruit. And there's a harvest of this abundant fruit every month. Can you imagine how rich you'd be if you'd an orchard where the, the tree would give you a new crop of fruit every month? The picture intends to communicate to us that in the life to come, the tree of life will be restored physically and that this time it will be more abundant, more diverse, more full than even the one that existed in the Garden of Eden. That in heaven, we are not seeing a restoration or a recovery of what was lost in Eden, but we're seeing it replaced by something even more. Whatever passed for life, even in the the unbroken, unfallen paradise of Eden, that perfect life is 12 times more at least. It's magnified so much that what we feel is living now on the best day cannot compare to what living and being alive will be like in the life to come. And this time, another big difference is there's no second tree. That second tree that represents a choice to submit to or reject God is no longer there. Because in trusting Jesus, we've already made the most important choice for all of eternity. And that choice we made in life will echo forever in our existence. He will complete the work of shaping us and changing us into His likeness so that when we are in that life to come, we will still be free, but we will no longer choose against God we will spend the rest of eternity willingly, joyfully choosing to draw our life from God and choosing to live under His good authority and submitted to His kind and wise rule. What a compelling picture of what life can be. So often we look at the Garden of Eden and we focus entirely on that little trap that God seemed to have set, forgetting that 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 whole setup was God's design to say to us, this universe as I created it has two inherent choices. One of them leads to me and to life and the other leads away from me and to death. And I want you to choose life. It's so tempting to choose the other. And I'm so thankful God was honest that sometimes the things that lead to death look so shimmering in the light, so attractive, so seductive. They'd have no danger to us if they weren't that way. And yet He promises us that those counterfeit things we chase for a shadow of life, they will deliver death. But what He offers is the fullness of life. That thing which we yearn for and crave is ours through Him in Jesus Christ. I'm thankful for this image of the tree of life. And I'm so grateful that when Jesus calls Himself the vine and we His branches, He's reminding us that He is the new tree of life. And we will live forever with Him if we make that choice. I want to invite you uh, to just uh, pause for a moment with me in prayer. And listen to what God is saying to you through this image through this fork in the road. We may resent this whole idea of inherited sin. Why did Adam and Eve have to screw it up for us? But every day, Jesus poses the same choice to us. He offers that. 
What an incredible idea that we can each day choose again and again the path that leads to life. Would you pause and just let God speak to you? And if there's something you need to say, then pour out your heart to Him right now. And we're just going to offer you a couple minutes to do that. And then uh, the praise team is going to come and lead us in a song. If you need to keep praying through that song, please do that. And when we're done with that song, I'll return and offer a benediction and bless you before we dismiss. We try so hard to feel and to be alive. But God promises us that there is a way to truly live. And that way, that true life, comes through Him. May God give you the grace to choose Him and to choose Him afresh each day. To make that once-for-all-time choice to trust Jesus. And then to make that daily, every hour, every minute choice to live submitted to His authority and according to His wisdom. And in it, may you find the fullness of life and may that life be eternal in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.